Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Geek Vibes Nation has made the switch to Anchor. Let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. It's the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will also distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more great podcast networks. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. All right. No, can you restart the recording, please? Yeah. Actually, don't worry. Don't worry. I'll just edit this out, but I'll pause it. But I'll Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome to a very special episode of Geek Vibes Live Review. Today, we are doing Defending Jacob, which just premiered its eighth and final episode this Friday. Really exciting. So, of course, spoiler alert if you haven't completed the series. But I'm your host, Tia, and today I have Juwan. How are you doing today? Good. How are you ladies doing? That was a very enthusiastic intro. Hopefully Kelly can bring more pizzazz to this. Hello, Kelly. How are you? <laughs> Hello, pizzazz. <laughs> <I'm good. laughs> Give me those spirit fingers, guys. I know we're talking about a drama, but <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But yes, yeah, so we at Geek Vibes Nation are here to talk about Defending Jacob. It is an awesome awesome series on Apple TV Plus that stars Chris Evans, Michelle Dockery, Jaden Martell, and my man Pablo Schreiber. So I had to get that in. But before we really deep dive into this mini series, which is based on the book of the same name, I do want to um, move over to Kelly, who actually just wanted to make an announcement before we went any further in this show. Thanks, Tia. Um, so I just wanted to give everybody a quick update from Geek Vibes Nation. Um, I just wanted to let everyone in our GVN family know that there's a lot been going on. We feel frustrated. We feel angry. We feel powerless and heartbroken. But we want to stand in solidarity because when we come together, we can be a catalyst for change. Um, so if anyone wants to talk to us or um, get our opinion on the matter. We are happy to talk about it. We stand behind everything, and we hope that you too will help be a power to make a lasting change. Yes, absolutely. I love that you did that, Kelly. I think that was very well spoken, much, much more well spoken than I certainly could have put out there. So I do appreciate that. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on right now, but. I don't need to say any further. Kelly already just took the cake there. 
But thank you again, Kelly. Um, so let's just get right into this. First of all, I just kind of want to ask you guys your overall thoughts about the series. So, Joanne, I'll start with you. What were your overall thoughts of defending Jacob? Did it exceed your expectations according to the trailers before the series even started? Um, yes. Uh, well, my expectations weren't that high. Um, it, it looked like a crime drama. Uh, it reminded me of one that came on, I think it was USA, where the dad was um, suspected of killing the, the kid in, in the woods. Um, and it was a really good, it was a really, really, really good series. Uh, Ryan Phillip, Philippi. Oh, our secrets and lies. I loved yeah. that show. It was yeah. so good. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. So it, it, it eerily reminded me of that. And one thing, if our audience doesn't know about me, you should know is murder mysteries to me usually uh, only go one way. And that's usually bad. Um, like, especially when you go in a series format, you kind of somewhat figure out halfway through. Um, and then it's kind of just like, how are you going to play it out? Um, so, I mean, my expectations weren't high, but I loved the trailer. Um, I believe Tia got me to watch the trailer. Um, Probably. It, yeah, no, 100%. I, I think Tia was like, oh, it's Chris Evans and Pablo Shriver. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll check it out. Um, and I love the trailer. Um, but this show, and it's hard to say it because there just hasn't been that much content this year, but this show is award-worthy. Um, and not just award worthy, but like front running award worthy. Um, like if there were, even though there probably won't be any awards this year, uh, if there were, this is like the unanimous winner. There's nothing that's going to come out that's anywhere close to this, uh, in a show format. Um, this did everything the right way. It didn't drag out some points that were, that were, that could have been annoying. Um, and the one thing I love about this show um is it's called defending jacob and I, I think at every point even when it ended i felt as though he could be guilty i also felt as though he could be innocent I also felt as though he could be innocent and guilty um like part of me felt as though he saw who did it um and then just froze and and ran away um but there's just so much about like i studied psychology for a very little bit um, in college, just like for two seconds before I stopped going to college, um, go to college kids. Um, but, um, it's, there are parts of the brain that kind of just log out at times of, um, of deep distress. Um, so, I mean, there is a bit of, uh, psych psychology that can go into someone that can just shut off seeing a dead body and then just go on like nothing happened. Um, some people might say that's a future serial killer. Some people might say he just lacks a bit of empathy um, because he truly did hate the guy. So there was no real remorse to it. Um, so, I mean, that show just left my brain in a fog um, because I just sat there and kept saying, he, he has to be guilty. Um, and then, you know, once you started seeing his parents kind of feel like, mm, maybe he's guilty. Um, it kind of made you go, all right, no, he's guilty. Um, but no, and, and I want to give a huge shout out to Pablo Shriver, whose role was not as large as I thought it was going to be. Um, but Pablo Shriver could definitely play the role of not being liked uh, better than most people. Um, he's really good at it. Um, but yeah, this was great. And 
uh, this was a great rebound from Chris Evans being Captain America to show the world again that he's an actor. He's not just a guy that looks really good in tights um, or is just a pretty face. He's a talented actor. Um, and I really do believe that if chaos wasn't ensuing, he would be nominated. I think him and Jason Bateman would be right there for Ozark and Defending Jacob um, for Best Male uh, Lead Actor. Um, but no, sorry. Very long-winded. I love the show. <laughs> it did amazing for me. I got my aunt to watch it. I told her about it Sunday. It's Tuesday, and she's like, she was done last night. Um, so, like, that's how good that show is. Um, so, yeah. No, I loved it. Yeah. Um, shout out, by the way, to the casting directors of Defending Jacob, because in the book, uh, Neil doesn't look at all like Pablo Schreiber. I think he's described as very short and all this other, like, terrible attributes. And they're like, no, nah, we're going to get a six-foot-five Pablo Schreiber to come in and play this role. So definitely shout out to the casting directors there. But, um, I mean, to me, I love Murder Mystery, so I was personally really excited for this. And as someone who has followed Chris Evans' career throughout um, the years, not just his Captain America roles, I was happy that people would finally see he is actually a very talented actor. If, say, his Captain America outing is the only reason why you knew him. Um, also, this is the second time Chris Evans is playing a lawyer. He played a lawyer in the movie Puncture, so I thought that was really interesting. And I believe Chris Evans is from Boston, so he got to finally play a Boston native. So uh, I really enjoyed it, but I'm going to uh, go over to Kelly. What were your overall thoughts, and did it live up to your expectations? So, um, you know, whodunit stories and crime series seem to be the trend lately, so I'm not surprised that they adapted um, this is a 2012 novel by William Landay, um, and that's what the show is based on, though we'll talk about some ways it deviates later on. Um, yeah. The thing that I found hard is I can't tell if the show didn't want us to understand Jacob or if it purposely, like, wanted us to dig deeper into the character to make him less mysterious. Um, he just kind of had this like front on the whole time. And I remember talking to you about this Tia that like barely showed any emotion, was very shut down. Um, and I know his character is supposed to be enigmatic, but um, he, he's really only developed through like buzzwords. Um, you know, he has the murder gene and uh, torture porn and social media and um, that's really the only way we get to delve into his character. So I, I wish in some regards that we could have um, dove into the psychological aspect of what was going on um, within Jacob's mind. But I understand that really a big part of the show is, um, you know, empathizing with the parents and being able to see the struggle they're going through. Um, you know, you, you always assume as a parent that you're raising, um, a great child, they're going to be president, right? Or they're going to go to the Olympics, your child's going to be great. Um, and you're doing all the things that a parent should do, not, you know, developing a potential future criminal. Um, so I think that's really where 
the series placed its focus on. Um, I did think that it went on a little too long in some parts. It felt repetitive. I think Evans and Dockery, um, while they had their unconditional parental love, they just kind of had the same argument over and over, which left that part very surface level for me. Um, and I think that the finale was very rushed. Um, so I think in my mind, there could have been some changes, but overall it was a great show. I, go ahead, Sam. No, 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 go ahead, Sean, absolutely. Um, I agree, but that's where I said at the beginning, it, it tried its best not to be overtly annoying in certain aspects. Um, I think the mother could have been more layered. Um, we saw how this was driving her crazy. Um, but to me, I kind of felt like her character was there just for the doubt. Um, because we know how sure, uh, the dad was, right? The only doubt, uh, to us as viewers from their standpoint was only the mother. Um, and once her doubt started to creep and creep and creep and creep and creep, it manifested into what we saw um, happen at the end of uh, at the end of the season. But to me, I, I will agree, a lot did somewhat drag on. A lot did kind of not make sense. Um, like, if I don't know if we're gonna break down like specific episodes, but I will say the one thing that just completely made no sense to me was um, the guy that you brought in. You question. You interrogated him. You got nothing. You ultimately had to let him go. Weeks to months later, he hangs himself out of guilt because of the trial. And if you're the cops, you're kind of just like, yeah, okay, yeah, no, that works. Like, to me, that was kind of just, like, a little too neat. Um, if that was an SVU episode, like, Olivia would have been like, something's not right. Something's not right. Yeah. <laughs> not, don't make sense. Um, so, to me, it was just, it was one of those things where it's like, you left us not really knowing who really did it. Um, you also left us with a cliffhanger regarding Jacob and his mother. Um, because if he has any of his memory when he wakes up, he's going to be like, yo, dad, nah, she's crazy, man. Um, so a lot of it was kind of just a little weird. But um, overall, it kind of just it balanced itself out with it had more good than it did bad. But it's bad was a little lingering. Um, so, I mean, that, that's where I think they, they did their cleanup with it a little bit. Um, and that trial, it just, it, it, I don't know. I'm just so used to watching actual, like, uh, court shows and stuff like that. That trial just was a little messy for me. My biggest issue was right when, uh, Jacob's friend took the stand and introduced the whole, uh, murder porn and everything like that. Um, I just didn't understand why, and I get it, they did have a little scene about it, but you put the girl on the stand. Like, that's just like 101. You put the girl on the stand, you establish here that Jacob's friend had clear motive to kill that kid. Um, he was defending the girl he had a crush on. He was jealous, could have been a murderous rage. Um, he, him posting that Facebook post to kind of try to point the finger at Jacob. Um, just a lot of that was just logically, like, I'm not a lawyer, but I would have been like, all right, no. That girl has to take the stand, like, immediately. Uh, so we can point it towards uh, the other kid and kind of get it off of Jacob a little bit. So that was the biggest thing that just really bothered me. 
Yeah, um, I wanted to kind of backpedal just a little to uh, comment on, say, the parents, right? Uh, Andy and Lori. To me, it reminded me very much of the parents in Prisoners. I don't know if either of you have seen Prisoners with Hugh Jackman in it. But uh, when his child went missing, Hugh Jackman was very much the uh, active parent trying to find answers where the wife very much regressed into herself. And to me, that reminded me of Andy being the one who was like, I am actively going to try and find someone who actually murdered this kid instead of my son. Whereas Lori very much accepted the possibility that Jacob could have been the murderer very quickly. So there was that. And... Kelly, I wanted to comment on what you had said about Jacob very much not really developing throughout the season and being very cold. And I was talking to Kelly about this before the show, and I'm going to bring it up. <laughs> and it was something that I noticed during the rewatch. So, yes, Kelly, I'm doing this. <laughs> um, I have no opinion on this. <laughs> I just thought that it was interesting, right? So at some point during the show after... It's in the first episode, I believe, after the kid Ben Rifkin is found dead, um, Andy and his family goes to the Rifkin house where they're having some sort of like shiva or something like that. And Andy and Jacob take a car ride back home and Jacob decides to mention that they're reading Catcher in the Rye. Now, I don't know if you guys had to read Catcher in the Rye for school, but I did. And Holden Caulfield, the main character of Catcher in the Rye, is very much a pathological liar, uh, holds things very close to the best, and trying to essentially mold himself as to where he thinks society is supposed to have him behave as. And I felt like that was how it was with Jacob. He did feel very much like someone who really didn't get the social cues of being a teenager and was just trying to kind of mimic what he thought a teenager would behave like. He even points out at some point, he goes, all these kids really aren't upset over Ben. They just think that they're supposed to be upset. And to me, little signs like that definitely kind of got you thinking, like, could he have been the killer? And I'm not going to pose that question right now because it's a little too early on. There's definitely things I want to kind of go through first. Um, but most of it was, I think that this show definitely spoke volumes for Andy and Lori's relationship. And I feel like what we find out is that they don't really even know each other. Um, and Kelly, I don't know if you want to speak to that, but I mean, from seeing their beginning where they look like the old American family, both have very good jobs. They have, you know, a happy relationship. And suddenly just one, and not one little thing, because it's a big thing, but just one thing seems to all of a sudden come to the surface that it feels like they don't even know who they're married to. Right. So I think um, Evans did a great job of establishing Andy's character and like his positivity and goodness and then undercut that with um, shots of anger and arrogance um, below the surface. And I think it ultimately ties into that they had a poisonous family dynamic 
at the end of the day. Um, Andy will not even consider Jacob to be guilty, but Lori, as we know, increasingly became suspicious and thought he could have possibly committed the murder. Um, I think the suspicion in the eventual arrest of Jacob uh, you know, cracks apart what you said, Tia, that seemingly perfect suburban life. And I also feel like the clues and revelations of the murder investigation, they paralleled the lies and shifting allegiances that were, un, uh, uh, that were revealed among Andy, Jacob, and Lori throughout the series. So I thought it was nicely done how they paralleled uncovering a family issue with uncovering something that came to light within the murder investigation. Right. And I'm going to throw one last question at you before I move over to Juwan. How much, like, how many times throughout the season were you sitting there going, Andy, what are you doing? You're, like, stepping over so many boundaries right now. Like, I remember you and I were talking about, you were kind of like, I wish Andy would stop being so stupid. <laughs> Yeah, he just, again, he became um, almost arrogant and, like, self-serving. He was, like, had his mindset on one thing, and he would not deviate from that, and he did whatever it took to make his theory, theory, the correct one. So I just, yeah, he really frustrated me throughout the series and in other ways that I'm sure Tia, we will get to later. Yes, absolutely. So Juwan, uh, moving over to you, two things, like if you want to comment on Andy and Lori's relationship and did Andy, as Kelly said, become arrogant throughout the, uh, throughout the season? Can't talk, sorry guys. <laughs> um, I wouldn't really say arrogant. I mean, what Andy was going through is something we see all the time. Uh, whenever we hear of um, a kid doing something like extremely crazy, um, murder or anything like that, first thing the mother always says is, no, not my son. And it's like, no, we walked in this room and there was grenades everywhere. That's 100% your son. Um, but they're just so oblivious. I mean, how often after um, Jacob was arrested, did Andy bust in his room and go, who are you texting? What are you on? What are you doing? Um, because like every little thing you do uh, is, is going to be used against us. Um, but arrogant, I just, I can't really say arrogant. Not when you believe in your kid. Um, even if there might be somewhat of signs, your job is to defend your kid. Um, you know, it's just like a prosecutor. Like your job is to put that, that person in prison, regardless if there's any doubt that he might've done it or not. Your job is, nope, prosecute. Um, so, well, you know, go ahead. Really quick, I will say that perhaps arrogant maybe isn't the right word, but he certainly stepped over the line a few times when he's, you know, um, I don't know, shoving Neil up against the frickin' wall, or he's going to threaten that guy with the tire tire iron. It's like, there were at some points where it's like, Andy, I know you're frustrated, but you're, to me, I always thought that what he was doing at some point was going to hurt the case. Well, I just looked at it like, um, and this is what I thought the show did a really good job of kind of swerving away from is, 
when they established who his dad was and what a murder gene was, we all focused on Jacob. None of us thought maybe that could have trickled down to Andy. Um, and you saw at moments how angry Andy could get um, to where murder could have been possible if need be. So I think that was more of something that I paid attention to, which was Andy has a mean streak, uh, like a really, really, really uh, crazy mean streak if it got there. Um, so I just looked at it to where it was like, I think he just let his anger take over. Um, and again, I don't have any kids, but parents say this all the time. I do anything for my kid. So you would assume taking a crowbar to somebody, um, possibly, uh, messing with witnesses. Um, so, I mean, it was just one of those situations to where, and I think this also shined a light on why, if you're in positions of power, uh, it's always difficult and very muddied um, whenever an investigation involves you because w what we saw was Andy wasn't able to use the resources he would if he was still, um, you know, a prosecutor, right? But how many underhanded, uh, you know, ways of help did he utilize? Uh, you know, stressing out the cop, the lead cop on, on the case. Um, you know, trying to figure out what she knew so he could investigate on his own. Um, so, I mean, we just learned that Andy was willing to use anything he could to get his son out of this. Um, so I think that was more glaring to me than anything else. Just bouncing off that, that's where I see him coming from a place of arrogance. Um, he thought that his opinion was right, and a lot of the anger and the actions that he took were because he thought everything he had was right and everyone else was wrong. Um, and I think there was never a moment in time until up until the end obviously with the, everything that happened with his father, um, that he ever deviated from that. Um, and I mean, he even manipulated the evidence, so. No, I mean, you're, you're not wrong, but that's when I lend on what Tia was saying. Arrogance might not be the, the right word. Because I would agree on you with arrogance if this was just a regular client. Like he was doing this for a regular uh, client. Then it's like, you're just really arrogant that like no one will find out that you're doing this. But to me, the reason why I wouldn't lend to arrogance is because it's his kid. And that's what you'd expect every parent to go to the lengths of to protect their kid if they have the means to do so. Um, so that's why I say it wasn't really arrogance because it wasn't really like he was like, oh, I don't even care if I get caught. I'm going to just do this. Or I don't think I'll be. It was more like, you can catch me, but hopefully I find out my son's innocent or I can prove that he's innocent before you find out. And then I'll face whatever consequences come my way. Um, so that's what I think is just a little different because when your kid's involved, like that's what you'd want every parent to look like. If my dad wasn't doing that for me, I'd be like, I need a new dad. Like you should be doing exactly what he's doing. Um, so that's why I say arrogance might not be the right word. But then again, if this was a regular client, arrogance is exactly the word. So that's where I'm like a little confused. Well, if you take it to the flashback um, between him and Neil and him giving um, Neil advice of everything he does wrong, that perfectly paints him outside of the realm of defending his son, what his character is like. And I still stand by that he had a very arrogant, overly confident attitude in that scene. 
Okay. No, I mean, look, I, I definitely want to give it another, <clears throat> excuse me, another uh, go round. So when I give it another go round, uh, I need to watch it again too. Yeah, I, I can pay more attention to that because I mean, I just looked at it purely from the lens of like, it's this kid, man. He's doing, he's doing what he had to. But now that I'm starting to think, think hard. It's like a lot of his actions were kind of like, you really thought you weren't gonna get, uh, you weren't gonna get caught, or there weren't any consequences coming your way. So I, I, I can get that, but I still feel strong in, um, sixty-five percent of what he did is what you expect every parent to do. Well, I also think that a lot of it comes from the fact that Andy was probably what the lead ADA in that county. Um, so he's used to winning. He's used to having the favor of his boss. And um, there's obviously that rivalry with Neil, because we did see that flashback, as Kelly said, where it seemed like they were more on an even playing field at some point, or at least, what did you say? Oh, yeah, flashback. Uh, but, I did confirm um, with Tito it was a flashback before the show started. <laughs> I was like, yeah, Pablo with that really bad goatee that he had, yes, that was a plot. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I think that it came from Andy's former position. I mean, they were a very well-to-do family. You know, we see Lori mothering the mothers, as they say, at some point. You know, they were a very big staple of the community. And for them to now suddenly be these pariahs certainly, I think, messed with Andy a little. But I do want to move on to... Uh, to me, one of my most, ex like, the most excitement I had halfway through the freaking series was when they introduced Andy's father. Um, first of all, the reveal that Andy's father is a murderer in prison for a very heinous crime, and the character is played by J.K. Simmons himself, who did that part masterfully. Um, I just want to talk briefly about the um, the dynamic between Andy and his father, how, you know, there's obviously that tension. Andy is very uh, ashamed of having a dad like that, uh, especially since he's an ADA. He kept it from his wife for so long, and, he, and now it's out about there. And, you know, at some point, Andy's father even says, you know, you wouldn't be talking that way to me if there wasn't a glass panel between us. But then we see the, the father having this almost, like, very protective, uh, like, instinct in him to help the grandson that he's never even met. So... Um, Kelly, what did you kind of think about all of that? And uh, what, what is he called? Bloody Billy in, in general. I have one word for that relationship, and it's frustrated. And I know me and you talked about this a lot. Um, I can understand Andy feeling the way he he did. He grew up in a he had textbook messed up childhood, right? And um, he holds a lot against his father. You can't blame him for that. But I think there came a certain point where it was obvious that his father's intentions were purely focused on, on Jacob. And he really showed a level of care that made me want to scream at Andy and say, get out of the way and give your grandson a choice if he wants to have a relationship. He, he, his grandfather's already behind bars. He's, he can't hurt him, you know? But if he wants to have a relationship with him, that should be his decision. 
And I just felt like Andy was so stubborn. Um, the whole time with his father, he never let up once. And I just, uh, all those scenes were so frustrating, but played out, you know, the acting was amazing. Yeah, um, I kept going back and forth in my head, like, wanting to dislike the father, because, I mean, he did rape and kill, like, a young girl, so I was, you know, in my head, I was like, you're a bad person, but at the same time, it was very obvious that he was trying to not so much make an atonement for what he's done, but at least move forward and we even see him saying to Andy, you know, I know I'm the bad guy, but what kind of son doesn't go and see his dad? Um, and even at times where he was calling to ask about the trial, Andy's like, what do you want? And he's like, all right, can you please push it? Yeah, can you please push aside your BS for a second? Just tell me what's going on with my grandson's trial. And him now having, you know, what uh, Andy said that, his father went in when he was young, right? Like five. And Andy's clearly in his mid-30s, if not late 30s. So his father has been behind bars for a very long time. And so he's seen that this is not the type of life that anyone wants to live. And for a 14-year-old to be staring down the barrel of that was just something he didn't want. I'm sorry, Kelly. You look like you have to say, you want to say something? <laughs> Yeah, raise my hand. Um, yeah, no, I um, was just going to say that being in jail that long obviously gives you perspective. What he did, I am not standing by, I'm not condoning, it was completely wrong. But do I think that people should be given the opportunity to change? Yeah, I do. And do I think he should still spend life in prison? Yes. But I also think that he did get a lot of perspective and you have to think of how hard it is behind bars and and we know the violence and the crimes that go on there um and he did not want to subject his grandson to that and that came from a loving place that's not a selfish place there was no motive that would help himself this was purely just him wanting to help his grandson and i it just frustrated me that that andy wouldn't hear him out or give him that opportunity and then you know the dad, the, the dad took matters into his own hands, but um, that's, that's for later. Yeah, I definitely want to touch upon that in just a second, but Joan, um, I think I was mostly messaging you like every week going, I love J.K. Simmons, um, and I mean, what were your overall thoughts about uh, Billy in the first place, and also, like, do you agree with Kelly that you know, Andy should have opened the door to a better relationship, first of all, for them, but also between his son and his father. Um, yes and no. <clears throat> yes being, um, I can't speak to how Andy feels. Um, having a father that was a murderer slash rapist um, and having to go through life with that um, is probably something that helped build a pretty large barrier, uh, between Andy and his father. Um, so, I mean, you kind of have to look at it like this. If he doesn't view, uh, view it as he has a father, doesn't really view it as his son has a grandfather either. Um, so there is no need for him to, well, he feels, I don't want to, I don't want to speak for him, but it seemed like he felt as though there was no need for that bond to exist. Um, you know, it's like, 
you know, you, you kind of just don't want to connect those dots there. And remember, um, <laughs> his wife knew nothing about it. So it's kind of like, I just don't want to open the floodgates on any of this, um, especially in the midst of a murder trial where my wife already feels as though my son might be guilty. Don't need her thinking, oh, no, he's definitely guilty. He got it from your dad. Um, so, you know, it was just like the floodgates would open. And at that point, she didn't want it. Um, but I understand your point, Kelly, on uh, him helping his grandson was a very unselfish thing uh, for him to do. He's seen the horrors of that place. And it's like, you don't want that kid there. Um, you know, so, I mean, I completely get it. Um, I also do believe people should change. Uh, the whole institution of jail is supposed to rehabilitate people. Um, so you would expect the guy he came in as wouldn't be the guy he would still be 20, 30, 40 years later. You would hope if the prison's doing their job. Um, so, I mean, a part of me is like, he should see his grandson. Um, I mean, after what he did for him, um, even though if anyone found out the grandson would end up there anyway um but but you have to look at that and you have to go um he very well could have just sat back and said oh whatever happens happens you know I'll get to know him when he comes here um but no he was like he wanted to make sure that the kid never saw a, a day in prison um but Andy's hatred is something that was just too large uh to look past uh to connect the two of them so I kind of get it um, I kind of get just having so much disdain for something that you're kind of just like, I can't even see clearly at this point. It's just, I hate you. That's all I know. It's all it's ever going to be. Um, so, I mean, that would have to be something that a therapist would have to exert. Like a therapist would have to clear their, their calendar to get Andy to, to get rid of all that hate. Um, but no, would I, never happen. <laughs> it, it would, it would, it would never happen. Uh, he couldn't even say thank you. It was kind of just like, Oh, why did he do this? Um, so, I mean, but I don't disagree with you, Kelly. Uh, people change. It happens. People do change. Um, so it's like, let your grandson know who his grandfather is. If he doesn't want to talk to him, you did your job of saying, hey, you, you know, whenever you want me to take you, I'll take you. Um, because who knows? You know, maybe that would help Jacob out a little bit. Um, speaking to his grandfather. You never know. Kids react in different ways. Um, like kids that maybe aren't that receptive to their parents are super receptive to like their aunts or uncles um, because it's just it's less pressure there it doesn't feel like you know you're being judged or you're being ridiculed it's kind of loosey-goosey so you feel the, the freedom to kind of talk so maybe he would have you know loosened up with his grandfather especially if he did it um, because his grandfather would have scared him into like hey man <laughs> we got to do whatever we got to do to keep you out of here. Um, so, I mean, well, so, so, go ahead. And the, the grandfather was definitely never concerned whether or not Jacob actually did it. He even said that to Andy at some point, you can either be a good man or you can be a good father. And that was like so powerful to me, especially coming from someone like Billy. So I don't know. I just, I loved uh, the character Billy. If there was one thing I wish we would have gotten more, it was more of Billy. And I wish we could have gotten an interaction between Billy and Jacob. I wish we would have seen the interaction between Billy and Lori. You know, that's classic, you know, show don't tell. And they told and they didn't show. They were just like, oh, yeah, she went wanna, and visited him. I want to speak to that. I believe 
her interaction with Billy is what fully launched her into he did it. Um, because I, I think she started to, in her mind, I won't say logically, but in her mind, connecting dots that weren't really there. Um, because that's what happens in fear, you know, just fear kind of makes your brain go to weird places. So I think once she did it, it just kind of really freaked her out to where she started. I don't know if you guys noticed this and I, I'm going to watch it again to make sure I'm not completely crazy myself, but I felt like after that interaction uh, that we didn't see, she just started to look at Jacob differently. Um, like yeah. she, couldn't, she couldn't look him in his eyes for long periods of time. Uh, she would look down when she would speak to him. Her answers would be very short. Um, so I think her going there did exactly what Andy didn't want, which was completely change her narrative of both Andy and Jacob. Do you agree with that, uh, Kelly, that after their uh, Lori and Billy's interaction, that that was kind of the turning point for Lori as to whether she truly believed Jacob did it? I don't know if that was necessarily the turning point for me, but I think, um, to speak to your point earlier, because I felt like the show stretched on and it didn't, it could have been in a movie, it didn't need to be a miniseries or it could have been shorter, um, that would have been certainly something to insert into the plot that would have added another layer and more perspectives and given us more time with the grandfather, which I would have loved, um, you know, to see what that interaction was like because she never even knew about him, right? And to have a conversation yeah. with him, I mean, that must have been such a monumental and, and life-changing moment for her. And I'm, I'm sad we didn't get to see the interaction. I think I think holding the interaction would be good because I think that's a way to start. Uh, if by any luck there's a season two, um, I think flashbacks are very pivotal to uh, murder mysteries. Um, so I could very well see uh, a scenario to where her interaction with him is how season two starts, and then she kind of like wakes up like as if it's like a nightmare. Um, and I think if you go that route it kind of starts to fill in a little bit of the the plot holes that we had. Like, I, I'll say this, Kelly. I felt as though the entire season, it was just made up of, we're going to find ways to confuse you. And we're going to leave a lot of things open-ended. Like, you just kind of have to answer it yourself or assume that we would answer it if we ever got to get back to it in a future season. Um, but, I mean, to me, leaving that blank, kind of made you as the viewer kind of go what could he have said what did he say did he try to be charming in his weird creepy way um you know just what happened because I really do think and again like I said I'm gonna watch it over but I really do think it was somewhat not a complete but somewhat of a turning point for her because I do remember it uh she just wasn't really looking Jacob in the eyes anymore um that warmth of a mother kind of seemed to have fizzled out um between her and Jacob I mean definitely her motherly instincts I feel like went out the door a long time ago like even with Andy you know we have that one moment after the trial where he like turns around and he demands Jacob like did you do this and we see like how hurt 
Andy was, but I feel like for Lori, she was like in her head, she was like, I've already put two and two together. Like he did it. But um, yeah, I definitely wish we would have seen that uh, scene play out between Lori and Billy. And um, I definitely want to talk about obviously the final uh, episode, but before we get there really quick, I want to talk about two things really quick that also to me feel like it was very much left out of the season. And one was, we see at some point Leonard Katz, the pedophile who Andy so desperately wanted to pin this all on. And again, spoiler alert, who eventually takes the fall or uh, unknowingly takes the fall or, you know, whatever, for uh, the murder. But he has pictures of Ben Rifkin in his phone. So that never, nothing ever came from that. And also I feel like nothing ever really came from that one teenager who was saying that he would, you know, ask for money for Leonard Pats to be very physically inappropriate with him. So those are the two things that I feel like never went anywhere. I don't know if you guys feel the same way. Kelly, did you kind of wish that those actually went somewhere? <laughs> yeah, um, that's one of the things that I feel like the dynamic of the series, and I understand and I've read, um, you know, what the writer had to say about the direction he wanted to take the show. But for me, it's like they inserted these, these little subplots, but never dove into them. There was no character development, nothing came out of them. But there could have been so many nuggets of just things unraveling or more evidence to add to the trial, whether it was for or against Jacob, that could have made this more suspenseful, more thrilling, um, and not as drawn out as it felt. Right. Yeah, I mean, I when we talk about being drawn out, right, I certainly think that it took too long to get to the trial. Um, they should have done the trial probably in episode five or six, and then they could have certainly took their time with what eventually was the final episode, right? Um, Which was Jerome, rushed. Do you feel wrong oh. out until the final episode when they totally just rushed it? <laughs> yes. Oh, don't worry. We're getting to that. Oh, but, Juan, did you feel like those two points that I kind of just made really were thrown into the show for no reason at all? I won't say for no reason. Um, the whole point of everybody was to, and that's why I said murder mysteries are not easy to do. That's why I told you uh, before Knives Out came out to you that I didn't really have that much interest in it because too many have been done horribly. Um, because it's hard to keep up because once you introduce other people that it's like, maybe she did it. You have to remember they're no longer a secondary fallaway character. They matter now. They matter just as much as your lead. Um, because if you're trying to point to someone else, we need to know why they're, uh, they're a pivotal interest in, you know, of why they could have done it. So introducing the kid that was like, yeah, no, sure, you could touch me for like 100 bucks. Him leaving town and you kind of going, oh, I think he followed like his girlfriend to like Florida or whatever. When you said that, it was kind of just like, all right, well, he doesn't matter anymore. It's like, wait, hold on. He was the whole vital point of you pointing it to someone else. Him leaving isn't like just, oh, all right, whatever, he left. It's, no, that's very important. You, you got to go get him. Uh, subpoena, whatever you need yeah. to do, get him back. And they know um, So to me, that was, a lot of that was weird, but 
again, where they can go for a season two is they could find out that, um, you know, uh, the suicide note was, was fabricated or he did it under uh, duress, whatever. They could reopen that and now uh, – well, obviously, you can't <laughs> really put Jacob back on trial, but we'll, we'll get to that. Um, but let's say he does wake up and you do restart the trial – all this comes back. But if not, and this is how you leave it, it did get very sloppy in areas. But again, that's what murder mysteries do. They get sloppy because it's just hard to perfect them. Um, because you're just, you're pointing so many different ways. And now my focus is everywhere. Um, so I think if they did more things like, if they didn't put the focus on Jacob, right? If it was instead of defending Jacob, if it was um, remembering whatever the kid's name was that died, if it was titled that, and now we're mm. looking at all these different people that could have been uh, the murderer, I think that would have been a lot easier to do. But when you put the focus on Jacob and you make him as weird as you do, it's kind of like, well, he did it and everyone else is just kind of like, they could have done it. Um, so to me, it's like when you do it that way, it's just, it's difficult. Um, but yeah, no, that, that's why murder mysteries are like, you could find maybe one good one every six decades, <laughs> because that's how hard it is to perfect those. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I just think that they stretched it too much. I don't know that there's certainly things that they could have done to rectify that, but um, so let's move on to the final episode because there's a lot to digest there. And so we get the final episode. We finally see, first of all, why Neil is grilling Andy at the beginning of every episode because that was the one thing that I was really interested in seeing. I'm like, what happened after this? You know, obviously Andy looks terrible. A lot of shit has happened. And there he's being questioned by Neil. So we get the final episode, and it's revealed that, um, by the way, if anyone can hear that there's someone outside my window blasting their radio, I apologize about that. <laughs> but um, we, we get the final episode. Uh, it's revealed that Pat's hung himself, and supposedly he confessed to the murder. So Jacob has a mistrial. I will tell you that that was a mistrial. It was not proven innocent. So I feel like they could still get him on that if they want to revisit it so the barber family is super happy they decided to finally go to mexico which was their original plan at the beginning of the season things go terribly awry in mexico and Lori really loses her shit um and pretty much ends up trying to kill jacob um and that is what is the premise of neil grilling Andy at uh, the beginning of pretty much every episode. But I want to say, first of all, spoiler alert, Jawan, we're going to talk about how this uh, deviates from the book, which Kelly actually um, sent me the excerpt for what happened in the actual book. I'm actually going to go to you, Kelly, to kind of tell us what happens in the book as opposed to the series, because the person outside my window is still deciding to blast music. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, I can kind of hear. Um, so there were two 
from my opinion, um, really big deviations from the book and what I thought were the best parts of the book. Um, so one was when they were in Mexico um, and Hope had mysteriously disappeared and, you know, everyone looked to Jacob. In the book, she actually washes ashore and they find her dead, um, which points to Jacob being even more guilty, right? And um, I think even the mother finds like a blood stain on his shorts, um, something like that. But then the other thing is uh, Jacob dies in the car crash. So I think it was interesting that they decided to keep him alive, um, especially because I felt like uh, Lori, which TOE talks about, was just feigning innocence and pretending it was an accident and she couldn't remember and she loves her son. And I, and I just felt like that was all um, just a facade. Yeah, and to me, I feel like that whole thing was a cop-out. There was no accountability. There was no real consequences. Um, we have very quickly in the car as Lori is speeding and it's raining everywhere. She's like, just tell me if you did or not. And he kind of just shouts uh, haphazardly, like, yeah, okay, fine. I killed him. And she's like, you did? And I'm like, that was a confession to you? He was just trying to get you to slow down. Um, and then she slams into the freaking wall and, you know, she's alive. And to me, again, I really believe she's feigning this whole amnesia. And uh, Jacob's still alive. So what is going to happen there? And maybe they're doing that because they are going to do a season two, even though they said it was a mini series. So who knows what's going to happen there. But I just felt like uh, knowing the book's ending, I really had wished that it had ended that way in the first place i think that that was a much better one and then we could really like andy is just being like the loving husband and so about family and i think that is because he didn't have really a family growing up that he's willing to protect Lori and all of this even though if he doesn't think that she did that shit on purpose then he's blind but um but even in the book you know him just like upholding Lori's innocence because to him he doesn't want that, to, you know, it, it goes into the thing of you could be a good man or a good father, you know, you could be a good man or you could be a good husband, you know, so that's how I felt about it. But Juwan, what was, what were your thoughts in that whole final episode? First of all, it rushed. They should have definitely did where it was. Episode six was the trial. Episode seven was, um, you know, the mistrial and Mexico or whatever. And then episode eight was, you know, the fallout. So to me, yes, that definitely was rushed because Kelly and I were even talking about, we both knew the book's ending and we were like, they have to be going in a different direction for episode eight because there is no way that they're fitting all of this in one episode. And they did, they tried. So, Joan, what were your thoughts on that? Um, well, we've seen this a lot, uh, whether it's budgetary reasons or creative just kind of ran out. Uh, they kind of just jumble things to meet a, a requirement of said eight episodes. Um, we've seen it with Game of Thrones. Like, HBO was like, oh, no, 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 open it up, however many you want to do, do what you guys got to do. And they were like, no, we can't do anymore, man. This, this is it. So we're going to rush it all. Finish it how we finish it. Let that be it. Um, so it was it was a bit rushed. 
um, where I started to kind of feel like I knew where that scene was going was when Andy uh, kind of like jumped up and immediately went to call her. Um, I was just kind of like, I must have missed something. What did he see that freaked him out to to want to call her? Um, but once he did, well, it was kind of like, he saw that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. He saw that she threw out a baby book. No mother is going to throw out a baby book. And so to him, he was like, that's her detaching. And the fact that she decided to take Jacob out on that ride, it's like, you know, to him instantly, he was like, no mother would ever throw out the baby book. And there that baby book was in the trash. I will say she, um, she's, well, she turned crazy, but one thing she should always give Andy credit for is that he tried. Um, because it's not often a husband and a father goes to their kid and goes, Hey, um, it's not you, but it's, it's kind of you that she hates right now. So she's going to kind of like leave for a while. Maybe it's like, you don't really say that about like a completely normal functioning human being. Uh, that's completely sane. That's usually what you say about someone that you're like, you know, mom, like she gets crazy sometimes. Like this is one of those times. Like, no, it was like, this is uncharted territory for Jacob. It's like, what's happening to her? Um, and Andy was kind of just like, I don't know, man. We kind of think you're guilty, but whatever. Um, so it was freaking Jacob out. Um, but that, see, that's why I said when it came to Jacob, they did such a good job. Because in that moment, for someone that is a cold-blooded killer, they would have approached that moment differently. Um, you would have kind of just seen him a little bit more empty. But he was terrified. It was like, I don't want to die. <laughs> like, what, what are you trying to do, Mom? Um, so, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they could have done a better job showing um, how close to this she was getting. Like, I get how close to insanity she was getting. Once that lady spit on her in the supermarket, I was like, all right. The fact that she oh, didn't yeah. kill that lady – there's something, there's something off there with her because spitting is the one thing I don't tolerate. So the fact that she kind of just was like, all right, it ruined my day. I don't want to celebrate. I'm just go home. Um, but no, we did see the toll that all this was taking on her, her walking to the mother's window and watching her have a breakdown. Um, I think she was kind of comparing it to what she was going through um, to where it was like, I still have my kid, but not really. I, that's not my son. Uh, that's not the kid I raised. Um, and we saw how she couldn't get the image of the bowling ball out of her head. It's like, no kid does that. You know, it's like, who does that? Um, you know, it's like if your kid's pulling heads off of all his action figures, you're kind of like, that's not normal. Um, you know, and it just, it kind of sticks with you. So to me, I thought that was very important of where her you know, distrust of her son began. She didn't really realize it, but it began back then. Um, because it's just such an unnatural thing for a kid to do. Um, so, I mean, it, it did, in some sense, kind of build up uh, how she felt about her son. But the whole idea of wanting to, like, kill him uh, was what I think you needed a whole another episode to build up towards. Um, you know, maybe she tried to have a, a heartfelt one-on-one -on -one that he was kind of just detached from, and I kind of drove her insane, just something like that. 
Um, but I don't – you guys read the books. I didn't. I have no idea why they well, went into this, making it a limited series. Uh, was there not enough material to, to do, like, a, a, a yeah. season two? Well, well, they obviously deviated from the book, which is – always happens, right? Yeah. Uh, but I just wanted to comment off a point of yours, Juan, that – I don't believe that Lori's distrust started when he was a baby. I think that once all of this came to light, memories started popping up of things Jacob did as a kid that might have been, if you went to a therapist's office, would say are signs that he he's aggressive, he has violence in his nature, um, there may be something off here. And I think that fuels her distrust but I don't think that she ever thought of her son in this light until this incident occurred. I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with you, but a lot of people would say, a lot of people, uh, therapists, psychologists, whatever, would say the fact that your brain immediately went to that means it's something that's always been there. Because usually, if you talk to eight out of 10 parents, right? And a kid that pushes a kid off of a bike or throws a football at his head, they chalk it up to boys being boys, right? Um, for her, that triggered, maybe he did it. So to me, that kind of felt like a part of her always kind of felt like it was something she would have to watch out for. But like you said, it was never more prevalent than in the moment of, could he commit murder? And then it's like, he almost did when he was like six, when he almost impaled this guy with a bowling ball. But to me, that always sticks in your head to where you kind of go, I got to watch out for this. And I think a part of her immediately ran back to that because it's like, part of me always knew this might come up, but I, I you know, I didn't want to believe it. So like I pushed it to the back of my head because what I thought was interesting was I don't remember, you guys have to remind me, I don't think she ever told Andy about that. Um, you know, it, it was one of those no. things where it was like, she kind of felt like if I tell Andy, it might sway things. And I kind of feel like he thought, if I tell her about my dad, that will definitely sway things. So they were both sitting there kind of like, all right, no more lies. And then went to sleep with like, all right, I am lying about this. <laughs> like, I have a few lies. But I think, like, I think he didn't tell Andy because it was, she went back and she looked at Andy's, um, Jacob's childhood and him growing up and she saw memories in a different light, in a different perspective than she did the first time. I don't necessarily think it was a repressed memory. I think it was something that she revisited given the circumstances and that's why she didn't tell Andy because at that time, she was like, am I crazy? Am I overlooking things? You know, she's stalking people outside their windows. She got to a point where she just didn't even trust herself. So she didn't know, was she fabricating thoughts? Did that actually happen? Should I tell Andy? And I mean, yes, they kept a lot of lies from each other after they said they weren't going to lie anymore. But um, that's my feeling on that. The reason why I thought I was a bit repressed was I wasn't even talking present day. I was more shocked that she didn't tell him when she went home that night um, that, hey, crazy thing, 
Jacob almost hit this kid in the head with a bowling ball today. And then, you know, Andy would probably be like, oh, that's just boys being boys. And it's like, no, he had it over his head. Like he was going to bash his brains out. Like that to me would some would be something logical that you kind of just like, weird thing happened today. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know if, you know, I it's a big deal or whatever. But to me, I thought she made a rational decision not to say it then. And that's why I think it's repressed. Whenever you hide something, you're making a decision to hide it. So to me, the fact that he's gone through his entire life and Andy still doesn't know about that means there was a part of her that was kind of like, I don't think this is something I should, I should tell him about. So that's why I think in that moment, not in, not now, but in that moment, she kind of repressed it to where it's like, whatever, boys is being boys. I stopped him. He didn't do it. Let's move on. I mean, to me, uh, Lori took the whole, I brought you into this world and I, I can take you out very seriously. She was like, that's my responsibility. So, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I think I can't get into the whole, like, do I think she was wrong for that, you know, or anything like that. She just clearly, to me, in a way, I think that she was almost like more of a realist than Andy. Andy just didn't want to ever see his son in that negative fashion. So, I don't know why the series decided to go in the way that they did as opposed to the book. I think that we would have been, you know, um, a lot more sympathetic to Lori's decision if they had went the way of the book. So I'm not particularly sure. But before I ask you guys your final thoughts on the show, I do have a very important question that I was like, I am going to ask this and I don't care. I'm going to ask it. Um, do we think... Did Neil, was he a dick or was he just doing his job? So a very important question here. Kelly, what do you think? <laughs> I think a combination of both. Um, I think that Andy <laughs> gave him the tools he needed to be um, more successful as a lawyer. But I also think that he pushed so hard, especially in the flash forwards or to the present date when he's like, oh, justice for Jacob. And I felt like that was so insincere. He just wanted to get this family at that point on something, on anything. And I just felt like he was pushing and pushing and would give anything to get some kind of confession, whether it was the mom, Jacob, the dad, like, did you hide evidence? Did you do this? Um, just so he could have some kind of win, because I think that's what really killed him in the end. Yeah, I definitely agree, because he was doing pretty well in the trial at some point, especially towards the end, where it looks like he could definitely potentially win this. While, you know, Jacob's lawyer was doing a fantastic job herself, he really was bringing out a whole lot there. And I think that we saw in the flashback that at some point he did view Andy as a mentor. He even says it at some point. But we do see that I think that it was a combination of his uh, rivalry with Andy. But I do also think that he genuinely thought that Andy was messing with this case. Because there were a lot of times where he brought up Andy, where the judge had to remind him, Andy's not on trial. Jacob is. But you're right, he did um, try to get the barbers any way possible. We saw that when 
it was announced that there was a mistrial that Neil did not look happy at all. Um, and well, he almost caused a mistrial right in the beginning of the whole case by bringing up Anne's father when he, the judge oh, explicitly said no reference to Andy's father. Well, he loved bringing that up. Remember, that's the scene where Andy pushes him up against the wall because he's like, oh, how's your dad? And it's like, oh, you just love prodding. To me, the one, uh, before I uh, go to you, Joan, the one thing that I was like, Neil, you're going a little too far here, was when he said to the kid, oh, we've already seen what you're willing to do for money. And it's like, he was a kid who was still underage, like, you're not, you really shouldn't be talking that way about him. So I think he definitely was like, he saw pretty much that this was pretty, this was the ADA's poster child, Andy. And now Andy was really getting involved to the point where he shouldn't be getting involved, especially in the early on in the case. So I think Neil just was like gunning for him. But Juwan, what were your thoughts? Uh, No. I don't think he was a dick. Uh, to be a prosecutor means you have to uh, kind of take humanity out of the situation and completely be cutthroat, um, which is what he did. I mean, because you have to remember, any little thing, Andy beating him up, that helps his case. Um, Andy, you know, going off the rails, that helps his case. Him uh, kind of making Jacob little, you know, a little uh, – you know, nervous, that helps his case. Him uh, making that kid that was saying he did that for the money, him kind of making him seem like he, he does this often, that helps his case. Um, so when you're a prosecutor, your whole job is to be a dick. So it's like, it's not really, you can't really separate it and say he's a dick, but he was also just doing his job. That comes together. Um, you'll never meet a really nice defense attorney. I, I mean, a prosecutor, I'm sorry um that's like oh no 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 it's okay like you know don't stress out it's completely fine i'm just trying to put you away for life you know don't don't worry about it um it it usually never works like that but i wanted to disagree with something uh very quickly to you i don't think he was doing a good job um i think the only thing that saved him from completely losing this trial if it did continue was um establishing jacob after that murder porn if not for that there's no way that jury comes out and goes, oh, Jacob did it. You just didn't provide enough evidence. Um, and whenever the judge has to numerous, uh, has to tell the, the jury numerous times, like, strike that, put that out of your mind, Re you know, disregard what he said. It just, it, it doesn't pair well with them. Um, so to me, I thought Jacob had the jury on his side up until the murder porn. Once that came out, the jury was kind of just like, wow. No, he did it. Well, <laughs> like, was, like he that did. That was Neil's smoking ace. That was his smoking ace. He was like anything else before that was pretty much like null and void. Right. So, um, yeah. I mean, listen. I agree with both point with what both of you guys are saying. Um, I think that he was taking a lot of what Andy had taught him in the past. Andy had even said, you know, Neil's a good lawyer just, you know, he picked up a few bad habits, but I think that his, like, gusto in wanting to put Jake Boy, or at least get to the Barber family, was causing him to do a little bit of the theatrics that we saw in his trial, but, um, 
before we wrap up here, I want to know your, oh, yes, Kelly. <laughs> Sorry, just because this is something like very near and dear to my values and morals, I just have to say, and Joanne, I don't think you did this intentionally. I love you. Um, but I hate putting an entire group of people into one class. I don't think that's right. Um, so to say all prosecutors are dicks, I just, I can't hop on that train because I just feel like that's putting an entire population of people into a single word. And I think there's a lot of different levels of people that are prosecutors that are that range from shitty to great, from assholes to fucking great humans. I mean, I just wanted to throw that out there because it's hard to just put all prosecutors in the category of dick. Well, to be to be more specific. To, to say that, and that might have been a, a little harsh, but to say that means you, you're just not going to find, and when I say nice, I don't mean, because we don't know what this guy's like outside of him being a prosecutor. So I don't mean him as an everyday guy, but prosecutors' jobs are to not be nice. They're to be as cutthroat as possible to win their case. So to me, when I, what I mean by that is you're just not going to find, because it's not their job to be, ones that are just like let's let's see what we can figure out here let's be a little lenient it's just like no their job is to excel and the best way to excel is to have high um what do you call it uh prosecution rates i think that's what it's called i could be wrong but um the point is the more you put away the better it looks for you so their whole mindset is i have to win um, rather than like, if you're a defense attorney, your whole job is I got to defend. So my job is to make you feel safe, is to make you feel comfortable, is to find the best possible deal. As a prosecutor, your job is completely different. So what I mean by dicks, I mean, to be a prosecutor, you kind of have to take the humanity side of it and sometimes put it to the side. Uh, so sometimes it might come off a little dickish, but I don't mean them as people. I just mean it's the one job that could get you death threats literally every day <laughs> because you have to be so cutthroat. You have to be so vicious. Um, so that's what I mean by it. Yeah, you have to prove 100% without a doubt. I think that is probably one of the hardest things to do. No, no, don't get me wrong. I, I completely agree with you. That's why I said I don't think he's necessarily a dick. It's just what his job is. Um, right. So that's why I said I don't separate the two. I put them together. Because if you watch any, <laughs> any prosecutor, they're going to probably all look exactly like that. Um, because that's just the nature of the game. Uh, so that's what I mean by that. Not them as people, but that job specifically, I'd say eight times out of ten, they all look like that. <laughs> so that's what I mean by that. Well, it's the I mean, position, not the person. Well, even Andy had told Neil in a flashback, you know, they don't get a name. It's up to the defense to humanize right. them. They are right. the, you know, they, they are the defendant. So um, I think that it was his job to be very aggressive in that case. So that's how I just feel about it. And of course, because I like the actor, I'm just going to like gas him up on this show. But <laughs> um, no, I, I, I want to say to you, Kelly, that that is yes. a great point, because we live in a world where we generalize everything where we're like, all these people are bad, or all this is bad, and it's usually never the case. It's a specific person or a few people here or there. Um, but that's why I wanted to be specific in, 
I mean more so the position, not the actual person. Um, because no matter how many people you switch out of that position, they all have to be like that. Um, like, that's not the first time I heard that, Tia. Um, I've heard that before to where someone said, no, 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 no. Don't, don't make them feel like they're, they're a human. If the jury sees that, they'll sympathize with it. No, he's a monster, you know, regardless if the person's innocent or not. So that's what I mean by that position is what makes you like that, but it's not the person. Right. Yeah, 100%. So, guys, um, definitely want to ask you what your final thoughts are and what you would rate the show. Um, personally, just saying I really enjoyed it. While I wish that the final episode hadn't rushed the way that it did and that would have been established an episode or two uh, behind. I still really enjoyed it. I thought that everyone did a fantastic job in their acting capabilities. Um, the scenery was amazing, that setup. While again, there were a few plot points that could have went somewhere and they didn't, I would still rate the overall show a four out of five. So, um, Juan, what um yeah can't even talk right now what are your final thoughts and what would you say you would rate the show this is gonna sound weird but this is one of those rare shows that the acting was so good didn't really bother me how how many holes were in the plot um because when you have people like that that just show up to set every day and are the best of the best which this entire cast was um i just i I mean, Kelly, you can speak to this. Secrets and Lies, they had some really good actors, but a lot of that was like, ooh, that's pretty bad uh, as far as like the story or the plot or certain scenes. Um, so I'd give it a four out of five also because Chris Evans' performance was just as great. At, I can't say just as great, but was close to Hugh Jackman's in Prisoners. Um, I, I couldn't say great. I'm sorry. That hammer scene where he's breaking the sink, it's just, it's so powerful. Um, uh, but, um, but no, uh, this had so many great, uh, actors in it, uh, that it kind of makes you not really pay attention to how many plot holes there might've been. Um, so four out of five, just because people should watch it just to see Chris Evans outside of Cap, um, and just yeah. to see some really, really, really good acting. Yeah, and uh, I totally agree with what you said, John. Like, while, of course, we want good story and you strive for that, um, to me, what is most important in movies and TV shows are, is the acting. And I can't take anything away from Chris Evans, Michelle Dockery, Jada Martell for such a young individual to really play such a tough role was great. Um, I told you I love J.K. Simmons, Paula Schreiber. They all were fantastic. Even the woman who played the detective, I, I liked her. So I'm, I'm sorry, Joanne, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, I, I want to give extra credit to Michelle um, because she was also in my favorite movie, yeah. uh, The Gentleman with... Uh, Matthew McConaughey, um, Henry Golding. She was amazing in that. So I had always said to myself, I wanted to see her in more things. And then I think like after I saw that movie, Tia sent me the trailer to this. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay, here's more things. Um, so I was really looking forward well, to seeing her performance. You need to watch on Netflix. It's another miniseries, literally, I think either six or seven episodes. It's called Godless. 
It's a Western. I'm a fan of Westerns, if you're not, I completely understand. But she is one of the main characters in Godless, and she plays it very well, the character. So if you are looking for more stuff with Michelle Dockery, definitely check out Godless. And it has our man Scoop McNary in it, so you know. I'm sold. Uh, I'm sold. (laughs) But yeah, no, uh, yeah, certainly she needs more recognition because she is amazing and i think that she and chris evans had a really great chemistry going on in this albeit how much their relationship was based on lies but kelly uh what would you kind of rate this show what were your final thoughts on it so i had final thoughts that changed i think originally i probably (laughs) would have Um, given the show a 3.5 out of 5 and then I think after reading into what the writer's intentions were his direction and what his focus was for the series and taking that and separating it from the book um, I would have to say it was 4 out of 5 for sure Um, he definitely hit the nail on the head with what he was trying to convey um, with the disparity between the parents and um, the never knowing the never knowing the answer, which was really yeah. the just overarching theme of the whole series. Um, so highly recommend it. It's easily bingeable. And um, yeah, four out of five. Yeah, I would definitely say that it reminds me of the movie Doubt. I don't know if you guys ever seen it, but it certainly leaves you uh, not truly knowing the answer. And I'm okay with not truly knowing the answer in this case. And it certainly has intrigued me enough to want to go and read the book. So I definitely recommend Defending Jacob. Um, I am okay with it being a miniseries, but if it's going to get a second season, not saying it's enough, but if it does, I wouldn't be mad at it. So um, Kelly, Juwan, uh, before I let you guys go, uh, plug your stuff. Let us know where we can find you, Kelly. I mean, let us know. <laughs> I'm sure. So you can visit my website, kellycantrowitz.com. No one's going to know how to spell that, but if you go to the Geek Vibes website, you'll find me. Um, Or you can hit me up on Twitter at kcantro. Um, And thanks for joining everybody. Absolutely. Um, Joan, what do you got coming for us? Uh, we got a few podcasts this, this week. Um, with everything going on, I think we're, we're probably going to take a, uh, a step back from game night this week, come back stronger next week. Um, but we do have a few other podcasts uh, that we will be releasing this week. Um, so stay tuned for those. I don't want to say what they are just in case we decide not to do them. Um, but stay tuned. We have a lot of content coming for you guys, as always. And we have a crap load of interviews that uh, our team just put out. Uh, along with um, articles. So you guys got a lot of stuff to chew on um, while we kind of go through a brief morning period uh, with what's going on right now. Um, So you got plenty of stuff from us to check out in the meantime, but we're not stopping guys. Uh, We're just kind of trying to help with what's going on uh, by spreading awareness and doing it the best way we know how. Um, So just bear with us through these times and we will try our best to continue to entertain excite and free your mind absolutely it's not like we don't have a plethora of stuff for you to already check out i mean you got the top 10 we've done a ton of interviews game nights and stuff you can find us on geekfivesnation.com we're on twitter instagram facebook vero youtube and everything and anything in between so yeah 
Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Juwan, for joining me for this Defending Jacob review. It has been amazing. Bye. <laughs>